Hey everybody, you're all very welcome to Revenue Hacks this week with me, Christina Quigley and the rest of our team. We're so excited because we have Lauren from SPAC Collaborative back with us again. And every time Lauren is with us, we always have a really insightful show. Just last, just backstage, we were just talking about what we learned last time. And of course, we've got Sheila with us, who is the Gen Z question person and Gen XY. So, so happy about this. Um, we're going to go around the room quickly and just say who we are so we can crack on with the show. So obviously, I'm Christina. I'm from Hoist Group. We've been with Revenue Hacks for over a year and a half now. So, Calvin. And tell us where you are, by the way, Calvin, because everyone needs to know where you are. <laughs> well, right now I am in my hotel room in Dallas, Texas, for the, I'm here for the AHOACON conference, uh, one of the biggest conferences in hospitality. Um, Glenn Hausman is here, Rupesh is here, Sarah Dandeshi is here. So, you know, I'm here. Um, tagging along i'll be i'll be collecting a lot of autographs this week um i love how you've just name dropped pretty much everyone who does podcasts to do with hospitality in the u.s outside everyone uh, you know hanging out with with the right crew i guess (laughs) hanging out with the creme de la creme of hotel exactly stay tuned to the stories this week i'll be taking a lot of shameless selfies so um you know, check me out on RepPAR Media and uh, in RepPAR ones. But Calvin Saloki, CEO of RepPAR Media, um, your social media for hotels. Uh, Rupesh is a very big fan of the show. We've actually been on his show in the past. We actually love oh, Rupesh. Cool. So, hey, Rup, if you're watching, um, we love him so much. <laughs> Sheila. Hi all, I'm Sheila Krishnan from SK Consultancy. We offer revenue management and commercial services for hotels in the UK and Europe. And I'm in lovely Twickenham hanging out with you guys. <laughs> not fancy like uh, Calvin in Dallas, but you know. <laughs> I'm not sure Dallas and fancy has ever really been put in the same sentence. <laughs> no, I can just hear, I can pretty much hear the whole rest of the USA right now going, oh. <laughs> and we know, we know one football team is not America's team that's based there. Lauren. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. My name is Lauren Maloney and I am the CEO of the Spa Collaborative. We're a global spa company that supports luxury hotels with spa concept creation, business development and training services. And our speciality is developing scalable branded um, hotel spa group concepts designed to be implemented multi-site and globally. And thank you for having me back. It's so great to be here again with everyone. It's great to have you back, Lauren, because so much has changed in the spa world. And that's why we actually wanted you on the show. It's amazing how quick the spa world is evolving. We thought hotel technology evolves really, really quickly. The spa world has just taken off because 
of COVID, I think really people have just become very focused in the last year on their own personal wellness. But there's now a big shift and change in the mindset of staff wellness. Mm -hmm. And you actually just published a piece today on this, which I thought was very, very interesting. It's all about, you know, the people who are giving wellness needs to be taken care of as well. Absolutely. I think that wellness is, is really now an, an unignorable fact um, within the context of the lodging industry. And if we look back to late 2020, hospitalitynet.org reported some hot stats data that indicated that hotels um, that offer significant wellness offerings generate nearly 43% more in total revenue per available room on average compared with hotels with no wellness. So more and more, this, this sort of study illustrated that properties with extensive wellness operations benefited from a 20% higher ADR and generated 48% more in average revenue per room compared with hotels with the minor wellness op um, operation. So things that those of us have been in, in um, hotels for years in, in luxury spa or spa, we've always known this, but there's never been investment in stats or data to really support it. And now it's really coming through. And I think what one of the new things in the pandemic is exactly like you said, Christina, is this um, evolution that it's not just wellness for guests and for consumers we're really looking to take into consideration the wellness of the practitioners and the folks within the spa delivering these services so there's more parity so it really is the part that we play now is is unignorable we're seeing that investors are paying close attention to the impact of the wellness revolution on hospitality and it's really backed by um, the emerging post-pandemic consumer trends that are already evident now and Lauren, what can you recommend to hotels to do to start really, or even properties that have spas attached to them, that they can actually start looking at the wellness of their teams? Because again, you know, hotels think they're doing the best and employers think they're doing the best for their teams, but that's not necessarily always the right thing. Absolutely. I think this is, looking at this in the context of the pandemic, first of all, because some of these things are, are really quite low-hanging fruit that even myself, I've been guilty of, of not always doing but around the world obviously we operate globally and quite often people are really really far from home and so you know we've all been you know focused on just sort of getting through the day to day but really um, some of the most um, interesting conversations we have and, and what we're hearing is, uh, are the most valuable conversations is really asking people and employees how they're doing and how their families are doing back home because we're all obviously not seeing our, our friends and family but when you work overseas or you're working away from your your family quite often what you're hearing is that people are feeling more distant than they ever have done before so even just inquiring and acknowledging about people's family and their emotional well-being and how they're doing goes really sort of quite far to feel seen and acknowledged because we're all struggling at the moment aren't we with this sort of deficit of not being able to have a life and do things so I think really checking in but genuinely checking in with employees and taking into account the the context of their life and and you know where they are and where their families are is a really important way to connect with people and really make them feel valued and seen I think really touches into though the post you know that we've all been doing as well is that we want people to be paid fairly but treated fairly within the hospitality industry because this is something that has really been pushed to the focus you know we've mm. all been saying this in the back end for years but it's it's only really come to light since covid because people haven't been able to actually you know employ people again yeah, that's really true. And, and I know it's across the industry, but something that we're seeing in spas, it's really, really hard to hire people at the moment. There is such a huge recruitment crisis in our industry. And that is because you can 
you know, be a kitchen porter and get paid the same as you can as a spa therapist where you might go and do a two or three year qualification. There's a huge, this is a huge subject. Maybe it's a different um, conversation to have all together about pay parity. But, you know, people don't stay in this industry because, it, you know, they, they can earn more, you know, working in another hotel department, not using the skills that they have, have trained to, um, you know, to be able to do these services. It's, um, it's a challenge for us. I'm glad that you spoke about this employment crisis because I've been talking to one of my friends who's a spa director actually uh, in a hotel in London. And she mentioned about, you know, um, basically she was on Instagram live recently. Um, and she mentioned about, you know, making sure because there's not enough people. So sometimes they have to turn away bookings to be able to make sure that all the team are not overworked as well. So mm. to be able to accommodate the booking, the spa treatments that has been booked, but at the same time, they finish on time. So they do have their own work-life balance. Now, what's your thoughts on this? Because, you know, I mean, now, Calvin, myself, Christina, we are from the revenue side. So anything to do with maximizing revenue, we are going to be pushing for it. But... But then we're we having to turn away the business. So how do you think we can balance this out? Because there's an employment crisis there, which means we do not have all the therapies back to work because some of them are away out of the mm. country. So they're not necessarily back in the country. But at the same time, businesses are open and wellness has been a huge focus. As Christina mentioned earlier, it, you know, post pandemic, everyone is looking into some kind of wellness retreat, wellness outing. So how do we you know, find a solution to this? Uh, it's a really tough one. And I'm not sure that that anyone has found the answer. But I, I think at the moment, what we're what we're seeing is and this is the first time, by the way, that we have had not enough resources in people as opposed to not enough resources in rooms. Normally, you have potentially an excess number of therapists and you can yield your treatment rooms, but it's actually the facility that, that you don't have. So I think this is a bit of a new one. And, and I suppose, again, speaking to the colleagues in, in t cities at the moment, there's a lot of people that even if they haven't, um, even if they have come back to work, there's a lot of people going off sick. I spoke to a, a spa director in London last week and she had 50% of her team call in sick legitimately. I mean, just, just to be honest, they were kind of proven cases so it, it's really unpredictable and, and uh, challenging to manage where we're seeing the most creativity I suppose and it's not the most ideal way to operate a spa is having um, some of your other operations also um, supported by other departments so borrowing from front of house where possible so that if worst case scenario the spa manager or spa leadership can step into treatments and, and step in at the last minute um, but I think attracting people back to the industry because there's so much frustrated demand people who come into our industry are normally really passionate about what they do they want to work so we do see that that people you know will start coming back to their roles um, but I think burnout is the next thing that that we're going to experience with these therapists because they're exhausted we actually did a post last week about spa team burnout and how to manage it because people people are exhausted because there's this huge um, pent-up demand and there's definitely no shortage in demand it's um, yeah. I'm not sure there's an absolute answer, really. I think it's just persevering, keep, keeping on top of anticipatory um, recruitment, making sure that folks are trained. Um, we're seeing less job hopping than we would have previously. You know, especially in cities where 
people would you know get trained and maybe move on in sort of nine months to 12 months i think how employers treated their employees during the pandemic has created a degree of loyalty um i think particularly in in spas i think people are happy to to come back to what they consider a second family really that's great to hear i really like how you say that because that's exactly what it is mm -hmm. it is an extended family and i think the world has it changed is. right now and people are so focused on different therapies and different treatments. It's no longer, you know, a massage and it's no longer a facial. So what are you seeing now, Lauren, as the trends within the industry? Because I know trends change based on generation as well, which is where Sheila shines because she loves this generational shift. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, I'm really happy you asked this because I think the way that we normally look at trends is um, sort of two, there's two sides of this for, from our side I suppose first if we look at the immediate behavioral shifts and then kind of blow it out to more sort of macro spa and wellness trends and I'll explain why in a minute but in a nutshell like I said there's no shortage of demand and um, but there are really uh, quite a lot of challenges to meeting that demand again which we'll touch on on. The consumers that we're seeing returning to spas, there are these immediate behavioural shifts relate to um, how much people need compassion, touch, closeness and sensory stimulation. And experiences need to be even more experiential and not with frivolous luxury, but with meaningful interactions and moments. There's this really strong need to connect, feel, engage, and it really has to be a focus for spa teams in terms of delivering a spa experience in line with society's reaction to the pandemic. We're all really touch starved. Um, and something else we're seeing is people are using it to socialise and focus more significantly on self-care and their well-being. So I, I think this sort of immediacy of, of kind of returning to spas, there's huge waiting lists. Um, you will talk about kind of provider utilisation, revenue per booked hour, which is an issue that we're having with some of the operational challenges. There's lots to talk about there. But generally speaking, there, there's a lot of people that maybe wouldn't have ordinarily been spa goers that are prioritising it. So those are sort of the immediate behavioural shifts. And some of the things, I suppose, from a larger um, sort of size across the wellness industry, we've already talked about um, well mental well-being, and that's been defined as being worth $121 billion. And there's lots of different ways that you can integrate that into spas through mindfulness and breathing and meditation. Um, and I think we're at the very beginning of that and how that manifests on spa menus is going to be quite interesting. It's maybe not one to solve immediately, but it's certainly something to keep in mind in terms of what people are seeking. People are really talking about kind of their, their mental well-being. Um, another one which I know we talked about just previously was also on the focus of the wellness for all. So um, wellness now is expected to serve a much wider community uh, and serving a much more diverse society in opposition to the quite elitist approach to well-being historically of entire communities really based on class, race and other differentiating factors. And really the reason that that, that is a trend is, um, as we were, were chatting, the next decade is going to see this huge uh, generational shift in wealth that we've never experienced. And as millennials and Generation Z inherit from their boomer parents they're going to be the prized target market and what's really important here is to to embody and understand what's important to these folks because they're the generations that have experienced recessions pandemics racism sexism um gender pay gap being exposed and the degradation of our planet their focus really is different and this is the this is the nugget here that their values 
um, they value protection over profit and the wellness industry needs to reflect this in a sustainable ongoing offering. So no longer is wellness this elitist thing that, that people spend £10,000 to go to an extremely um, expensive wellness clinic. Generation Z expect their therapist to be as well as they are. And that's unignorable. We cannot ignore that that's going to be important to these generations. They don't want their wellness to be something that forfeits somebody else's. So just to finish up there, I know this is another, this is just the last one, because I know these annual trends, I just want to caveat this for anyone that's listening, thinking, what does this mean for my spa? Annual trends do serve as a point of inspiration and a suggestion for direction. And it's a great kind of overview of the, the wellness landscape. But there are some takeaways that, that I can share that kind of bring this into what you can actually do in your spa and how you can create meaning behind these trends. And I love yeah so i just yeah. have one question so obviously mm -hmm. you've just touched on sustainability and it's really important but you know are we starting to see a rise as well in uh people requesting vegan friendly products and that their spas are more sustainable more conscious about the chemicals that they're using or you know the likes of palm oil, palm oil or anything like mm -hmm. that right now oh absolutely and this is something that that consumers are more informed than than some skincare brands i would i would argue um and i would encourage anyone who's watching this to to touch base with the sustainable spa association if you really want to kind of understand what it means to be accountable um from a sustainability perspective in spas but one of the things that that we're seeing is that it's not just having the lovely labels to say vegan friendly not tested on animals people actually want to know the supply chain like who was involved in making that product did it harm anybody like how hard you know how far is it flown you know it's all very well having this really beautiful organic product that was you know picked in the rice paddies of barley but in getting that to the uk or wherever you are in the world has it brought any harm so it's this level of accountability that they want to know they want to have oversight over supply chains which is something that's that's fascinating so yes that's not going away that's only going to intensify so I want to touch on, uh, as, as Christina mentioned, like I'm a fan of this Gen X, Y, Z. <laughs> so, and, and you kindly mentioned, um, Lauren, I mean, the trends are changing, the requirements are changing and, and the newest generation, you know, it's all about inclusivity, diversity, sustainability, whereas the previous older generations, they have more spending of, uh, ability. The Gen Xers, the boomers, they like luxury, they like finer things, they, they want privacy. Whereas the you know the millennials was more more about to talk about if they were more of an Instagrammers generation they want to show more outward mm. more outward and the mm. newer generation you know it's it's like you say sustainability inclusivity diversity but at the same time you know this generation is still young they do not have the spending uh, ability like we do and and this is where how how can talking from a hospitality perspective, how can hotels then tap into this newer generation? Uh, you know, how, how can they maximize opportunity at the same time driving revenue into from this market? I mean, what other things that hoteliers need to look into now for future? It might not be immediately they could, you know, alter what they're providing, the treatments and everything, but is there something that they need to be start building towards to cater to this newer generation? Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate this question because I think that all of these these um, needs can be 
met in synergy and, and I'm just mm -hmm. thinking of one example to bring this to life like a spa menu so you can have your offering can meet the opulent um, requirements of boomers or the kind of more outward instagrammable um, more showy uh, behaviors for example of millennials but then also synergize that with an offering that is kind of really honest and laid bare and you know tells a story through the the, the treatments that might appeal to Gen Z so I think there's a way to understand pin this these um these offerings so they don't alienate anybody but it's mindful um generation of these these tools i'll give you one example whenever we sign off treatment menus that the the background of the models that are included in the treatment um menu is is so often the same and you know we really still have to point out to people that we that these people care about we all should care about representation and as soon as you say it to you know the you know whoever's developing the menus it's there but but there are ways like those things are so highly visible to um you know to to the younger generation and you can include that and it's not going to be at the detriment of of you know the the other generations that are consuming services within your spa yeah, I really like this because now that you're talking about obviously mm -hmm. price per hour and price per, you know, product and tech and whatever is there, you know, when we're looking at pricing, do people, how, how can people gauge their pricing right now? Because that's quite difficult. Mm. You know, bookings have been down, revenue has been down, the reopening of hospitality and hotels and spas and all that type of thing has been very much put on the back burner by the government because it's never really seen as something that focuses on people's mental health and people are trying to increase their revenues. So do you have any top tips on how to do that right now? Yes. Based on yes. these generational shifts, because what what Gen Z or what my generation millennial is going to pay is not the same as what an earlier generation is looking for to pay right now. Yeah. Well, I think if we look at this at a kind of facility perspective and then an offering perspective, so they can be addressed slightly separately. The way that we cater to this in in existing spas and also pipeline is actually the arrangement of spaces within the spa, and even if you have. Um, you know, even if it's a fixed asset, you can still um, adjust things. And I'll give you a few examples um, for the folks that want to kind of be seen places and want to celebrate and want to spend time together and make kind of memories for life, which tend to be sort of Gen Z and boomers. You can have spaces that naturally lend themselves to that, whether it's that's through you know day spas that have a celebratory element, that have a take home gift um, that, you know, maybe two nights stay with spa inbuilt. You can still have sort of quite celebratory, luxury, very Instagrammable experiences, again, without kind of alienating you know, other other folks, for the folks that are coming to spas for regeneration, restoration and calm, you know, you can have quieter areas that are naturally, you know, lend themselves to that where they can, you know, um, do mindful med meditations, you can do kind of small library areas where they can, you know, relax and, you know, enhance their, their kind of knowledge and, you know, feed that kind of thirst for for knowledge and understanding so i think there's ways that you can adapt your operation again so that all of these people can can coexist and how this influences development is we're now kind of designing and building spas which are really clearly catered to this so there's sort of this sort of social celebratory aspect and then there's areas that are very very much sort of about retreating sequestering being away from people and kind of calm introverted spaces um, but that if you're mindful of of how to um, 
communicate your offering and what's available so that everybody feels like this is a place for them. I think, again, there's there's ways that you can communicate that so it feels um, that anyone who wants to come can come. Um, and how that can come to life through your treatment menu, again, I suppose, you know, relating to, to pricing, is that if you're looking for um, a more advanced treatment, you would expect to pay more for that. And so you can have this, you know, your entry level 60 minute massage and facial is always going to be the best seller, no matter what market you're in. Um, you know, we draw. Oh, we seem to have lost Lauren. Yeah. I'm sure she'll jump back in. But okay. um, I think I think what's really interesting is, you know, it's, it's touching on this whole marketing, you know, to people when it comes to spa. Mm. Oh, here she is. She's coming back. Oh, I'm so sorry. I disappeared. It's I OK. Know. We know you were bored of us. It's fine. It's no, fine. no, no she, she, had, she had to pop off to get a quick service there. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she was excited talking about it. Yeah, I'm so yeah. sorry. I don't know what happened there or where I disappeared to. Um, but I was just talking about how you can, can have different levels to your menu, that the way that you can communicate it could be from a more advanced skincare line or that it's from a more advanced therapist so that that will appeal to people who want to sort of spend the, the most on their spa experience. But you can still have your entry level services that don't alienate maybe, um, you know, a lower sort of ticket treatment for, for those younger folks. I think what's really interesting is Julie Grieve is just after popping in. Hey, Julie. And she says, these folks are digital natives. Um, they know how to search and they don't necessarily trust the first thing that they see, which is interesting, um, which is interesting. And probably white photos are so important as per last week's chat and must be true to reality. That is yeah. so true. I don't know how many times I've gone somewhere and I've seen this amazing picture of a hot tub. And then when you get there, it's not it's not true yeah it's really absolutely not yeah or either it's well there's no hot top whatsoever that's actually something that came um came up in in something that we were doing recently and i think you know touching wow. on sort of you know yield as well and looking at how to kind of optimize things in in the current circumstances i'm sure everybody's aware that i mean all operations have been impacted and in a nutshell there's new hygiene protocols there's edits to the guest journey and touch points there's capacity limitations due to increasing the space of guest reservations. So even though we've got all this frustrated demand, we've got this challenge with resources, we also can't use the same amount of capacity that we used to, which is all of which in some way affected our ability to generate the same level of revenue from our daily resources. And looking at the fundamentals, the core of the SPA model is that we sell time with therapists. So therapist utilisation is an important KPI for SPAs ordinarily. And optimising the schedule has been really disrupted by COVID secure operations. So each day we have this fixed number of hours and the core objective is optimising them with a carefully managed mix of treatments and duration. So everybody's experiencing this problem, but how different spas have responded has been fascinated. And I'd love to share you know, some ideas and some best practice that we've seen out there of, um, of what people are doing. So in regions where they're, um, are the therapists on payroll and I know Calvin maybe in the US this this isn't kind of the same but um particularly in Europe normally spas are on therapists are on payroll so there's a lot more time where you can't generate revenue by booking this therapist so it also means our revenue per booked hour has gone down 
So there are a few ways we've seen spas recoup this lost revenue in, in some creative ways. And one of the first things that we've seen is, and um, Sheila, you actually asked about this, mm -hmm. but, but it's actually about touchless treatments, that where there's budget, we're seeing more touchless treatments, where dead space or empty treatment rooms are being repurposed with touchless technologies. And a few examples that anyone can Google, halotherapy cabins, which is also really good for breathing and immune therapy. There are some great suppliers out there um, offering salt therapy. Hydromassage tables, vibrational and sound therapy tables, light pods that aid healing and recovery. And we've seen a couple of spas completely change their guest experience lineup to use spaces where you know they don't need a service provider. So that's definitely something I think to to look at. Lauren, I mean, mm. so we talked about the, I mean, as you mentioned about these underutilized uh, spaces. So that could be meeting rooms rooms in the I don't know event spaces in the basement so if they do not have like daylights and they're not I mean when I say daylight no windows or natural mm. natural light and you know there's no not much of a request for meetings and events can these spaces be turned into some of like you mentioned earlier like modular solutions um, absolutely Absolutely. And I think an idea that you came up with as well, Sheila, that we see ordinarily it's been something that's been used in resorts, but for, for hotels that don't have large spas and maybe have a few treatment rooms, optimising space elsewhere in the hotel is definitely an option. And what we've seen work really well is a calendar of visiting practitioners where, again, these people aren't on payroll, but you qualify them as being expert in you know, sound therapy or yoga or some other therapy. And they're great for using underutilized spaces and they're used to visiting multiple sites and still creating these these really beautiful service environments so i think there's definitely ways to bring wellness into the hotel experience even if you don't have a very large footprint um, for the spa and and how do you think they should market it should they market it as a spa treatments because the hotel might not have a actual spa it's just treatment rooms mm -hmm. now as i mentioned like one of these hotels they have three treatment rooms but they still call it a spa but mm -hmm. now we're talking about a hotel that doesn't have a spa they might have a small fitness room but they want to bring this wellness into the hotel as part of the package so how should mm -hmm. they promote it Oh, and build it up with their packages. I think one of the things, I mean, we we hear wellness called all sorts of different things. And I think something that is quite appealing is, you know, maybe focusing more on kind of well-being experiences. So something that, that is communicated around enhancing their hotel stay, as opposed to communicating something that is kind of a destination wellness retreat. Um, and I think people who are looking for this sort of experience where they can, um, you know, keep fit, um, you know, enjoy movement. These are people that will be exercising and enjoying this sort of service, irrespective of whether there is a spa or not. These are people who value this sort of thing. So I think communicating it as part of the experience, having a couple of time options, making it clear whether it's a one-on-one -on -one service or a group service. Um, I think those are all really valuable to get uptake about really communicating it as, as a way to enhance the, their well-being during their stay. And can you tell us a bit more about partnerships, um, wellness partnerships? How should hotel be looking into building partnerships like, you know, with wellness groups and providers? Is that, do you think it would be beneficial 
for the hotels? I can't name any few, but then I'm just mm -hmm. thinking that because there are so many wellness providers out there who might have a big name. Should Do you think hotels should be partnering with these wellness providers or groups? I think it's something that we, we do see. Um, Matt Roberts has fantastic, um, you know, fitness offering the same for Stephen Price, SP and Co. We, we do see this um, successfully. So what that normally does come with, with is refitting a, a certain space. And I think that would depend on the sort of footprint of the spa and the hotel as to whether um, that would really be valuable in terms of investment. Um, but we do see that uh, successful in in locations where you can really sort of lean into to well-being i think where we see wellness um it's a very broadly used term and, and, and i think it means different things to different people so i think communicating what you, your interpretation of the property is on on well-being and wellness and spa and health is really important because on one end you've got you know vitamin iv drips and then on the other end you've got you know a few stones placed on the forehead so i think it is really important to kind of communicate your position and something that probably calvin's familiar with is forbes um recently updated their standards so that for spa for example so it's actually part of forbes standards now that there's reference to wellness and well-being so everybody's taking this really seriously it's a case of, of there's still a lot of flexibility as to how you communicate what wellness is for your property i love how you mentioned the whole iv drips because that has it was always something in the states it was something quite luxury that the um stars always availed of you know, you'd yeah. always hear after events, you'd always hear, you know, but I think it's quite interesting to see that it's now becoming a norm for people to start investing in this. Like here in Ireland, especially in Dublin, we've seen this pop up recently. Yeah. How do you think it's going to be the new thing for wellness, especially for people that are, you know, involved in sports, recreation or are just party core people? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how many people use it in actual fact is sort of, you know, travel recovery or um, you hangover, know, recovery. hangover recovery. And it's some, sometimes it's marketed as such. Um, what we would say, and, and I've been in wellness, uh, I suppose, involved in quite in-depth wellness concepts for, for over 10 years now. And I think one of the first ones that, that we um, saw in London, it was actually people, uh, particularly luxury, and, and that's, I suppose, my background. So I think that maybe take it in the frame of, of that. But um, normally people have a place that they go to for that. So if they're going to a city or if they're they're going to have a clinic that they have in mind to go for that. If you're a resort and you're looking to introduce that sort of thing, it would be worth going back to Sheila's point about having a big name like that. If you look at one and only group with Henry Cheneau, you know, you'd want to have a, a very kind of big wellness name behind it. So there's a lot involved in you know getting a needle into somebody's arms and inserting an IV drip. So, you know, it, trying to recruit group folks that want to work in a hotel context but also do that is we found it really challenging so um, I think we, we treat that one with caution I think in terms of bringing that into the hotel context well I, yeah I, I think I, it's I, a strange I this I mean I, I had to smile when you guys brought this up because I have personal experience with uh, with, with this um, Vegas right I mean that's an obvious <laughs> oh, yeah. place it's, a, it's, it's an obvious place for this, for this to happen. So I stayed at a resort in Vegas a couple of years ago, um, and in the hotel they have they have this this IV drip thing. And you know, after a night of partying, it seemed like a good idea. And uh, so I, I I walk into the place and they and they ask me, well, how have you slept? Did you have were you drinking? I'm like, of course I've been drinking. It's Vegas. Like, what do you think? You know, are you will you be drinking again tonight? Again. 
obviously. They said, okay, so they, they, they made a suggestion for me. And let me tell you, this thing took about half an hour or something like that to like fully get into my system. After about 45 minutes, I was like bouncing in a good way. I mean, I couldn't believe how good I felt after this thing. I get through the next night of partying and then I went, I, I went, uh, went away for the weekend afterwards. I did that on about three or, three or four hours of sleep. And I was completely fine the, uh, for that whole next day. I couldn't believe it. So, I, you know, I, I know I can't maybe mention them on the show, but if you need an influencer, I'm in because <laughs> I, I swear by this stuff. That's it. It really, I mean, for for being not only hungover but just tired from from travel, jet lag, I, this thing was like it was like spinach for Popeye. I immediately just was <laughs> let's go we have an advocate that's so interesting to hear I'm your in. experience <laughs> i think that's but, really cool because we are starting to see them take a huge kind of increase and there's a lot more people now in ireland starting to explore this type of wellness um you know we see sport influence influencers use these type of yeah. iv drips ice baths chirotherapy to actually be able to recover and now people like myself like as i said i'm using different types of therapy including chirotherapy to recover from sports and it's a different way of wellness i'm not a person for relaxation as i said backstage i've started to do the um the floating baths what did i call them i can't remember flotation, flotation tanks, tanks. Yeah. yes and you know they open a whole different sphere that's hidden in the back of your head you know it's just you mm. in that tank with water no phone nothing for an hour and it's just so interesting to see you know how your body reacts to it it's not just your brain it's switching off but, you know your whole body you don't get out wrinkly like a prune i'd like to point out i was very disappointed in that one um i kind of expected to come out looking like i was going to be 80. it's my thought okay. of you know how to age gracefully this is it um but you know it, it is quite interesting we're seeing that rise as well and salt caves are now starting to happen because mm -hmm. people are becoming a lot more focused on their breathing how they breathe you know i i don't really believe in salt caves sorry lauren um it's just not something i can but you see, I don't have the, the the need for to be in one, but I have had friends who've had COVID and actually went to them and starting to kind of find that it is helping them in a way mm -hmm. um, to be able to kind of recover their breathing or help their lungs. But that's also a side of wellness that people are now embracing. But can we talk about digital wellness? Because there is this whole thing of digital wellness. Mm -hmm. Do you think, Lauren, in the next five years or even 10 years, we're going to see a rise in, you know, hotels, or, you know, spa wellness areas actually offering a full digital detox that, you know, they take their phone away from you, they take everything away from you, and they teach you how to be more focused on yourself rather than be scrolling on Instagram, looking at the Instagrammers, looking mm -hmm. at, at the influencers saying like, you know, well, how skinny can I be like her? Yeah, I, I mean, I, we actually see sort of two uh, opposing sides of this. We definitely see digital detoxes being, being offered. And I think that that definitely caters to a mindset when you're in that mindset to want that. I think the other thing that we need to, to keep an eye on for the next five years as well is people wanting to see more digitization of wellness services and integrating, you know, their wellness technology into um, into their treatments, into their guest journey within the spa, you know, measuring um, their statistics, their vitals. So we actually sort of see it going one of uh, sort of the, the same consumer essentially wanting different things at different times for their experience. And there's lots of firms exploring technology and how to integrate technology into the experience. And it's, it's a really large um 
it makes wellness mobile essentially that you can tap into these wearable diagnostic health trackers and sleep optimization and potentially sharing that data and that knowledge with your therapist or spa service provider to tailor your treatment so there's there's one side of it which is integrating more and then there's this other side which is like you said locking your phone in um in a lead box and not getting it back for for three days so i think there's space for both i think we're going to see more of both for sure i love you saying a lead box i'm pretty certain if this went into a this phone went into a lead box it would probably spontaneously combust <laughs> it, it wouldn't know how to cope with downtime 100 percent. just wouldn't know how to cope with it um you know but Locked it is away. it is a case of i do think mm. that people i think that's the next area that mm. people will really start to focus on you know i love it someone's mm. just after saying there that for digital detox hotels are calling it the slow traveler services mm. it is quite interesting to see that people want to do that you know every day you read about people leaving twitter or leaving instagram they're putting up this post saying i'm out of here for a few weeks mm. i need to recover but you know they could be switched off from one form of social media but turned mm. on to another yeah. and it's it's that constant your brain is constantly going and churning um that you need to kind of separate yourself from i do think it's uh, something that people yeah, will look at Sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, there's a, a little delay on my side. Um, no, I, I think it's 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 about awareness too. Um, I'm not, I forget the name of the Netflix uh, show that was out last year during the pandemic, but talking about social media and, and the impact. And it's once I, I watched that, and obviously as a guy who spends you know hours upon hours on social media, um, it was really eye opening. And it's 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 this need for us to constantly get that dopamine hit you know so mm. you're constantly checking your phone i don't know if you guys remember like when you first even maybe even had like a page or you first got a phone like sometimes you think you feel your hip vibrate and nothing happened but it's like your brain is looking for it right yeah. so once you're aware of these things like once you're aware of hey why am i picking up my phone right now mm. do i really need to do something or Am I just doing it out of, out of habit? And it's mm. like anything, it's awareness. And once you start to become more conscious of that, you can you can start to do that. So I, I've, I, I've actually done it myself, like where I, if I find myself just aimlessly looking through the feed, I put the phone down. You know, mm. if I realize you've just gone through like 10 posts and I'm not even looking for anything, I'm not reading anything anymore, put it away, do something else. Mm. You know, um, even just like when you're having a meal, just trying not to have my phone nearby it just sit and eat without looking or, or reading or scrolling anything it's tough but you have to you have to be aware of of the fact that you're doing these things out of just habit first automated before you can start to break mm. it yeah it's interesting what you say as well because i think social dilemma yes thank you bianca <laughs> one of the concepts we're working on at the moment is actually about um, trying to assist people to to live with technology because what we're hearing in consumer insight and the consumer insight work that we do is that there's no escaping it. So you've got the digital detox, then you've got the kind of more um, digital integration. But it's like you're describing, Calvin, it's this presenteeism and none of us can get away from this. So how do we live with it in a more healthy way? And that's something that we're actually currently researching is what does that look like? you know how do you build that awareness how do you build presenteeism and boundaries around technology to really harness it and use it in ways that are healthy without it being detrimental to your mental health but if your men mental health app is on your phone what do you do so there's these really kind of challenging dilemmas about how we use these these tools and resources so it's a it's a very big 
it's a very big subject and one that that um, you know can really help as well with the health trackers and sleep optimization. Right. And but boundaries are important, aren't they? I, I actually just just discovered. Sorry, I just discovered on my phone um, that there's a focus mode. So if you if you turn you can turn that on for a set amount of time. So say you need to focus on work for the next hour, right? No distractions. You can focus on the only apps that will be able to send you notifications. So if it's just your phone, just your text because you're at work, so you don't you want those to come through. Or you know, if you're taking that mental health time, it could just be your fitness app, your your mindfulness app. Like I do meditation, that's on my phone too, right? So there's times I go to sit to meditate, and it's like Instagram pops up. You know, okay, let me check this first before before I meditate. Right. Let me see what's going on on Instagram. You know, it's it's, it's kind of uh, you know it's, it's it's kind of you know competing things, but again, knowing that those things are there and just being mindful of, okay, I'm taking this time for myself. Let me set up my phone so where I don't need to hear what's happening on Facebook or Twitter or anything. I'm just going to come in to meditate. I'm coming to listen to my audiobook or whatever it is. Hmm. I think that's really interesting because that's where I was going because I actually at one stage I downloaded a sleep app to help me sleep when I suffer with mm -hmm. insomnia or whatever, but it was on my phone. And if you have your tablet or you've got your iPad or you've got something else, it's on that where everything else is there as well. So, you know, it, it kind of goes in a vicious circle. Um, but I think what's interesting as well is that sleep apps aren't 100% accurate. They're not. Are you know, it? And I okay. use mine. No, they're not. I remember being in, um, going in for an operation last year, around this time last year, and I had to take my watch off. And I remember saying to them, no, let me leave my Garmin on. I want to know how many minutes sleep I get because I didn't get any great sleep over the last week. And I remember the doctor actually saying it to me. But also when it comes to fitness, your fitness app isn't 100% accurate. I actually go to, um, I have regular VO2 tests, which is quite um, important for if you're an athlete or you're into sport, where it kind of tells you about your oxygen to body ratio and all this type of, it's really cool, it's a fitness test essentially. But the guy actually was telling me about, you know, the different watches, because I have a Garmin, I'm a Garmin freak, but he actually went through all the ways through these algorithms aren't 100% correct. Mm -hmm. um, and he actually helps write the algorithms for systems for it to actually become correct. He's one of the most renowned people for all this kind of cool things. Um, but I just thought it was really interesting. Like we live, breathe and eat by what our watch tells mm. us. Let's be honest, you know, we own, like we all partake in the Apple challenges or the Garmin challenges. And then you see this, this is actually isn't 100%, it's just a way of getting you going. It's like, wow, you kind of sure. take stock. And it's, mm. it's the same thing with wellness with some people. You know, there's people like me who would never have gotten into it, that would never have been very focused on my own health and my mental health until lockdown. And now I've become a lot more aware of, you know, the triggers that happen or what brings on stress and anxiety. And, you know, I suffer with migraines that comes from stress. So I found ways to to avoid them. And it's not just saying to everyone, leave me alone, but it's actually mm. being able to, you know, like you said, focus on your own stress and your own well-being, being able to you know, go for a spa day, being able to, you know, take in a walk or do something that's quite good. Because again, the owners or like people that I've worked with in the past or employers, they, they don't see the benefits in that. Whereas mm. the staff now over the last year have seen the benefits and that's where they're going to start focusing on a lot more. Like we had a conversation last week, does hotels and does desks really need to be 24 hours a day? Mm. Not really. With the age of technology, it doesn't have to be. You know, it's about being more focused on the consumer, on your client, just like what, you know, spa therapists are doing. You know, hotels are hotel teams are now going to become spa therapists. 
focus solely on that client for the 40 minutes or for the 10 minutes that they're there so that they can give their best to the client. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that's so important. That's Being something that we can present. learn from spa. Mm. Yeah. You know, we should actually get spa therapists in to teach everyone how to like, just focus on what, because they do, they do it so well though. You know, when a therapist mm. goes into that room and they shut that door, it's just that client. Yeah. They're not concerned. A fire alarm could go off outside and they're not really concerned about it because they know it could be a test drill or whatever, you know, but they don't pay attention to the phone. They don't pay attention to anything. It's just the client. And I think mm. that's one thing that, you know, hotel teams and employers can take away from spa therapists is how they can just switch off from the world around them and just focus on that client for the 40 minutes. I think that's a really good point and it takes me back to my my days of, of being a therapist I started out in this industry as a therapist and you work in your candlelit box for eight hours a day and you're not looking at cell phones and it's dark and all you're feeling in actual fact is a, is a very sensorial experience of you know massaging somebody feeling you know their stress and tension or whatever in in their body and you're really focused on what you're doing so I would argue potentially that therapists quite often can be extremely mindful because you have to be very present you don't sort of drift off somewhere else you're very present in, in what you're doing so I think it's a nice point cross training <laughs> I think it's really important though for sure and I just think it's that I would never have really thought about it until now when you're putting it into context and you're kind of going through it and you see how they differ to hotels you know they're a lot more relaxed a lot more calm yeah. and you know they don't show stress let's put it like that they really rarely show stress <laughs> I think that's something that we can all you know take into stock for sure but we are running out of time so Lauren thank you so much for joining us today it's been amazing yes. to have you on the show like it's actually 50 minutes they just flew thank you so much for having me <laughs> really oh, it's been amazing to i love back speaking to all you guys thank you so much lauren it's always insightful when you're on the show last time i learned about billing for hours and you would have thought i would have known that's been a former revenue manager <laughs> <laughs> oh there's so, lots to thank, share. You. thank you so much if you want to check out lauren yeah. check her out on linkedin um and she's also under the spa collaborative as well on linkedin and on social media don't be afraid to reach out to her ask her lots of questions and if you've got any questions for her team please don't be afraid to reach out to sheila or to calvin we're always around thank you so much lauren have a great afternoon everyone thank Bye, you everyone. Bye. Yeah, I've been